lesson today is from Paul's letter to the Philippian church, and I'm going to read the first 11 verses of that um, letter, Philippians 1, 1 through 11. goes like this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the Gospels, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. So we are talking today about a prayer for smart love. And as we are acknowledging it's uh, New Year's Eve, it's the last Sunday of 2023. Um, Because Christmas and Advent got in the way, we haven't been able to do a prayer um, service this month, and so we're going to do one of the prayers in the Bible, as we've been doing once a month throughout uh, throughout this season. And the one we're doing today is Paul's prayer in Philippians 1 through 11. Now... If I say to you words like grace, um, peace, unity, you think those are biblical terms, right? Those are good, solid, middle-of-the-road kinds of things like that. If I add to that list things like covenant and trinity, then I go even farther and say Rehoboth and Maranatha, then you know that I'm doing what? What am I naming? I didn't hear yet. That was right. Churches. Right. It's too easy to answer, right? Those are all church names that we use. Because of today's theme and the rather regular theme of this, of my preaching, I looked up on the internet churches with the name love. How many love Christian form churches do you think there are? Zero. Yeah, you can feel that, right? That, that, it would feel like we've stepped over a line if we said, we're going to change our name from Mountain View Christian Reformed Church to Love Christian Reformed Church. Wouldn't it? It'd feel like we really think we've gone over the top. Well, people named their church Grace, Covenant, Providence, Mountain View. <laughs> Biblical Mountain View. I think that's striking, and I think as we think about 
this prayer, a prayer for smart love, growing in our love. Um, Think about how central that truth is, and yet how strange that dynamic is that we wouldn't take that word to name ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but I really hope that one of the things that people would say about this community is, while they, they have love, they show true love. They are a loving community of people. Love Christian Reformed Church would be a really cool name. We'll talk about that at the board next meeting, and maybe we'll change the name by next month. <laughs> Glad you're laughing, because that definitely was a joke. One thing I have no interest in ever doing in any church, by the way, is going through that fun thing of changing the name of a church, because it just gets ugly for no particular reason. All right, that's an aside. Let's get back to the message. One name shaping many. You're gonna, you'll notice... Um, read this passage again on your own that the name Christ Jesus shows up a lot, and that's a good thing. We just had Christmas. The Bible is all about Jesus. Paul, whenever he talks about anything, make sure you understand it's about Christ Jesus, right? So he first introduced himself and Timothy. They're working together, and he says, we're servants of Christ Jesus. And he says, I'm writing to you guys in in Philippi, and you guys here in Grimsby, and you are God's holy people. That used to be translated saints, but we got uncomfortable saints because of the Reformation. Never mind all that. It's still true. When Paul refers to us as a follower of Jesus Christ, he calls you holy people. He calls you saints, right? And again, I want to emphasize to you that you own that title. Not because you're so great, but because you have been made holy people in Christ Jesus. That's why he keeps saying, Christ Jesus, this isn't about you. It's about Christ Jesus. And so whatever Christ Jesus has done, that's what shapes you. So you're holy people because Jesus said so. All right? That's how that piece fits in. Then he says grace and peace, and he gives the greeting. I don't know if you've noticed this, but all the letters of Paul start with a greeting, and it sounds a lot like the greeting that I do at the beginning, but he's Binitarian, and I'm Trinitarian, so he does God the Father and the Son, and I've always added in the Holy Spirit. You're welcome, because we're all Trinitarian. So is Paul, by the way. Don't, don't, don't anybody quote me as saying Paul isn't Trinitarian. So I just add that in. Okay. Meet joyful Paul. If you read enough letters of Paul, you'll know he's passionate. And passion has more than one side to it, right? Paul can be passionate to the Galatians and say, oh, foolish Galatians, right? But here in Philippians, this is a lovely letter because he's so tickled pink with these people. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And I got to be honest, I was thinking about that and wondering what it would be like to pray. And I'm not sure I would pray that for all of you all the time, every single time, right? This is an amazingly over-the-top, I hope that doesn't disappoint you, this is an amazingly over-the-top, loving, exciting prayer from Paul, right? So perhaps what he's saying is, I pray for joy with you all the time because even when you're challenging to me, that at least gives me a chance to grow up in my spiritual maturity. But either way, whatever he's exactly saying there, Paul is pumped about the church of Philippi. And the next line is, because of your fellowship or your partnership in the gospel, because you're doing this thing with me, right? And I think that's what we always need to understand of ourselves as a body of Christ, that what makes us the holy people of God is Christ Jesus. And what Christ Jesus called us to do is be a people on mission, partners in this kind of gospel um, work. And we're also going to see here, hopeful Paul. I love this line. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's Christ Jesus again. He'll come up a few more times in this passage. 
So what Paul is saying here is, if you have started the journey with Jesus, Jesus is going to make sure that you get to the very end of it the way you're supposed to. Right? Hear that clearly. This is our hope. Hope is not a, I hope that happens, I wish that happens. Hope is a confidence thing. Right? Hope is understanding that when God says, I've started a journey with you, I've invited you into this journey of making you into the person that I want you to be, he's going to finish it. He's going to find a way to make those kind of things take place. And so as we're reflecting on when God shows up, we're reflecting on what are those times when God shows up in such a way that I'm being brought forward, maybe slowly, maybe quickly, to the next step of this journey. So when you're struggling with something, when something's challenging, when you're being stretched, hang on to this verse. Be confident that God, who began this good work in you, who gave you faith in the first place, is actually working on you, helping you, moving you forward to that day of completion. And it will shape the way you face challenges as well. You'll see them as hopeful. And finally, we have affectionate Paul. Not finally as I'm done my sermon, but finally, these are the three categories of Paul. Right? Affectionate Paul. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And when I hear that, I hear in my mind people who've said, Eric, I love you as a brother in Christ, which means I don't really like you that much, but you are a brother in Christ, so I feel obligated to love you, right? I don't think that's what Paul's saying, right? He's not giving himself an out here. He's saying, the reason I love you is because Christ is at work in me, and Christ at work in me, since he loves you, he's helping me understand that you're on this journey, that I'm on this journey, and that he has a plan to bring to completion the good work he started in both you and me. And I highly encourage you, whenever you think of anybody in your life, in your world, to think of them as somebody who you love in Christ Jesus, and as you're doing so, if that makes you bump into, I don't really like them that much, right? Then start working on, well, what does that mean about what needs to be restored or healed or forgiven or rejuvenated inside of me, all right? The affection of Paul is something Christ Jesus gave him, is the affection of Jesus Christ. Okay, now, having reflected and celebrated, Paul says, I'm now going to look forward. This is my prayer. This is what I'm looking for. We just did, he just did Old Year's Eve, right? Now he's doing New Year's Day. This is my prayer for you. This is what I want you to lean into, and that's what we're going to focus on. Job one, and since we're in church, I have to tell you that's not Job one, it's Job one this time. Grow in love, that your love may abound more and more. The measure, that's why I came up with the church name, Love Christian Reformed Church, the measure of following Christ, I'll even say it this way, the measure of the fact that you have the truth of Jesus Christ in you is your ability to love one another and to love your enemy and to love your neighbor and to love God as the guide for all of those things. And so his simple prayer is, if you are going to grow in your following Christ, measure how much you're growing in your ability to love even the people who are sometimes in your world difficult to love. And what he wants us to grow into, in my terms, is smart love. And smart love is love that goes beyond knowing about love. He says it this way, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And when I hear those words, I, I immediately go to, okay, now I need, to, I need knowledge and, and depth of insight. I need a deeper understanding of how I can explain love. That sounds like a preacher response anyways, doesn't it? Right? I want to be able to explain this better. But that's sort of like saying, 
with Ruthann, my wife, what I need to be able to do is to explain to her the different words about love and talk to her about what love means. And she's going to go, that's really nice that you know all this stuff. I actually want to know and experience, do you love me? Right? And so when Paul is telling us to, that your love may abound more and more, he's not even in depth of, of knowledge and insight. He's not saying to us, make sure you have a better theology of love working around in your brain so you can explain it to people. Right? Not too many people get explained into the kingdom. They get loved into the kingdom, or they at least get explained, Jesus loved you, and they experience that love to the point that they say, I want to be a part of that. I want to receive that. I want to go to Love Christian Reformed Church because I feel love there. That name actually sticks. Right? I think we hear this wrong. I tested this, so I'll test it on you as well. I tested this on someone else, so I'll test it on you. So that, when, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless. So give me another word for pure and blameless. Perfect. Holy is good, so I'm going to use perfect because it's the answer I was looking for. Yeah. This feeling here is Paul's calling us to grow in our ability to love, to abound in love more and more. And then he says this, so that grow to this far so that you may discern what is best, may be pure and blameless. We're going, oh, shoot, I'm not perfect. I'm not pure and blameless. How many of you walk around and introduce yourself as, hi, I'm Eric, I'm pure and blameless, right? That's as over the top as saying our church is called Love Christian Reformed Church. We don't live in that world. We're very aware that we're not perfect. And feel free for your entire life to hang on to that. You are not God and you never will be, right? But the pure and blameless stuff here we're going to see, isn't about me doing all the perfect things, because that gets us into this realm where we're saying, if I am good enough, pure enough, blameless enough, then God will love me. But we all know, right, the gospel turns that upside down. The only way you become pure and blameless is because God already loves you. It's backwards. That's gospel. That's grace. All right? It's a gift. It's given to you. And if you don't believe me at this point, look what Paul says. It's all about Jesus. He says, when you're pure and blameless, the very next words are, you're filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You're not filled with all the things you've done so that Jesus will love you. You're filled with Christ Jesus, and he actually just puts on you, the big word for this is justification, he just dumps on you his goodness, his truth, his beauty, his love. He pours it into you. And the very fact that you are struggling to figure out, do I have this right yet? is a good sign. The fact that you're wondering, am I pure enough, blameless enough, good enough, am I discerning what is best yet, is a good sign. That means that he's already working on you and that you're wondering, how do I live into all the things that he has in store for me? But always remember this. Your righteousness, your goodness, your value, your belovedness is there quite simply because Jesus said, I love you, you're mine, and I'm going to pour all this stuff into you and then he says, now try and live it out as best you possibly can. Let me connect this with prayer about love. So here's my how to pray into smart love. This is how you grow in this ability. First, meditate on this. You were created in the image of God, so in the image of God who is love. You were created in love. Spend some time before you ever start listing things that are going on that you need to confess or deal with or other people's issues. Spend some time in prayer wondering, what does it mean 
that I reflect God, that I have his image, that I have him in me, that I have the Holy Spirit in me. What does it mean that I have the image of love living in me? Then be honest. Ironically, when we are most worried about how we don't measure up, we're not pure enough or blameless enough or perfect enough, that actually stops us from ever growing. The fastest way to grow is to confess or to be honest or to be vulnerable, to go, you know what, I'm actually quite often acting out of my own love for myself or selfish love, right? And the faster we can get used to going, by the way, I'm still struggling with that, the more likely we are to grow. I've told you many times about the group that I'm working with in the last couple of years, right, which is basically a group which drives me crazy with saying, here, deal with these things, read these things, and then tell us where you're struggling. And you read the stuff and you're going, oh man, am I ever struggling? And then you go to the group and you tell them, oh man, am I ever struggling? And they all go, oh man, I'm really struggling too. And that's the miracle. Just by saying, boy, I'm really struggling with that, you start to grow past it and through it. It's that, don't let anybody see that I'm doing this wrong. I'm going to pretend that I got it all together. That stops you from ever actually growing, right? You're acting, you're not growing. It's that vulnerability, it's that honesty that helps us grow. And then submit. Submit to God's pursuant love. God is pursuing you. He's running after you. He wants nothing more than to hang out with you, right? I know when we, when we feel like, well, I'm not doing enough prayer time, then we're kind of scared to go to God at that point because, well, he must be mad at me because I'm not coming to him enough. No, he wants nothing more than that you come back into his presence and go, by the way, God, I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been in touch with you enough. He knows already, by the way. You're not going to surprise him. And he's waiting because he is love, right? He's not waiting to go, well, huh, it's about time you got around back to me. Now I can start loving you. No, he's sitting there loving you already, waiting for you to go, I think I'll submit to your pursuing love. You go, yeah, good idea. That was my plan all along. Jump in any time. And finally, pick up on this, that you are included in his victorious love. Everything that Jesus has accomplished in this world, because you are in Christ, remember that every three lines Paul says you're in Christ, right? Because you're in Christ, everything Jesus has accomplished, you have accomplished because you are in Christ. So hang on to the fact that you are part of Jesus' victory over death in the resurrection. That is his gift to you. Trust that, hold on to that, and lean into that more and more as much as you can. Now I know that sounds like I'm done, but there's actually two more slides, so I'll just warn you right now that there's two more slides. There's another plan. That was plan A. Maybe you don't like that one. It follows the biblical outline of history, right? But this is plan B. Try doing Paulish all-in love talk. Try doing that every time I talk about you, I give thanks always with all kinds of words of thanksgiving. Try saying those things, and when you bump into the reality that you're going, oh, that feels awkward because I don't really think I feel all that, now you know what you need to confess. You're not there yet. And just be honest. Like I was, I don't always feel as strongly about all of you the way Paul felt about Philippi, right? That's a journey that we are on. Let's start being honest about that reality. Openly admit our lack of love. And then third, see that awareness is a sign of hope. It's actually a good thing when you're aware that you have stuff to work on. And then finally, hold on to the confidence of the completion in Christ, right? As Paul prayed again, I'm confident of this, that he who began this work, he who's invited you in this journey, he's going to complete it. God is at work in you. One of the reasons we need to reflect at the end of the year is because in spite of yourself, perhaps, God has been growing you this year. And you need to look back and go, 
oh yeah, I have learned a few things. I have changed a little bit. I, I was softer. I, I've restored that relationship with that person, right? Notice and celebrate that God is actually at work in you. Final slide. Or if that's just way too many words and you're going, boy, I wish this guy would stop talking. Just come forward at the end of the prayer of the service for prayer, right? Because it doesn't actually matter that you can remember either of those slides and that you know all the steps. What matters is that you surrender to prayer, that you participate in prayer. And so there'll be four people here at the end of the service, all wearing tags. If you don't have your tag yet, it's in my office under the paddle. Come forward for prayer, and this will be your prayer request if you don't have one. I pray that my love may abound more and more. That'll give us something to pray about, right? That my love might abound more and more, that I would grow in my ability to love all those around me and all those in the world and all the things that are part of God's life for me. Let us pray now. Jesus, thank you that you meet us. Thank you that you've shown up. Thank you for the, all that you've done and that we are in you. And we pray that as we think about our prayer connection with you, that we would know that you invite us in, that you do so in grace, that you have incredible love for us, and that you want nothing more than that we'd receive those things and that they would shape everything that we are, all that we say and all that we do. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill us and guide us and draw us into prayer with you. We pray in your holy name. Amen.